This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on what titles to use when someone's marital status is unknown, the phrase, let's do lunch, extreme wedding mishaps, and feeling overwhelmed when making new friends. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about visiting with friends when you're on a budget. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on ties. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. How's it going? Good. You know, because we've been on the phone all day working on our edits. <laughs> yes, we have. But I'm very glad to be back at the mic and doing the podcast. And you had a really cute story for the intro today about a little etiquette lesson at dinner. I do. And thank you for letting me share. I want to give everyone a little background. Home alone this weekend. Pooch has taken the girl. She's visiting her sister and visiting with her parents and giving me time to focus on editing this book as we push through our final deadline. Many thanks, Pooch. Many thanks, Pooch. And we were thinking about having a couple days apart. And Pooch is very intentional about a lot of the things she does. And she wanted to have a nice dinner together as a family on the night before she left. So she had made kind of a special dinner and Anisha had helped set the table. And I'm also in the middle of a lot of work. So I'm kind of rushing around and I didn't participate in all that preparation, but I sort of joined them at the table as dinner began. And as often happens with a couple little kids at the table, just over two year old and a four and a half year old, the two-year-old who loves to eat has wolfed her food down and is now painting on her tray with the remainder. <laughs> and this means you got about a five-minute window before she takes the dishes and starts tossing them around, the real signal that she's done. We're working on that. But at the same time, her sister, who eats much more slowly, is sort of looking at her food, kind of deciding what approach she's going to take. Dad's somewhere in the middle. Pooch has just finished serving herself. And... I'm starting to look at the freezer. I'm thinking about the ice cream that's coming for dessert. And I'm thinking that that would work really well to no, get wait, wait, Aria. Wait. Can I pause here and just just highlight the fact that you haven't said you're finished with your meal. You're still eating and you're going, you're like, you've got eyes for the freezer already. <laughs> yes. And so yes. I finished my course and yeah. I promise I'm really thinking about Aria and I'm thinking about sure. getting the next thing happening. Uh -huh. And so I'm starting to think, it's time that maybe a few of us could switch to dessert. 
and <laughs> suggest that to Pooja. And she tells me that that is not a good idea. That Anisha still has to finish and she's still finishing and she'd like to proceed through the dinner with a little more care. A little more formality. Perhaps a little more formality. So I take a pause and a deep breath and join her <laughs> in that thought. Tell myself I'll be waiting for that Tamp chocolate down your chocolate craving. <laughs> hand pack from Ben and Jerry's that I know is waiting for me. Patience. Patience. <laughs> totally. And then the most amazing thing happened. Mm-hmm. Aria starts to learn a lesson about patience. She starts to sit there and we engage with her a little bit and even tell her that we're waiting till Anisha's finishing to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And Anisha starts to engage with her food a little bit more because she hears that dessert's coming and that maybe it's her proceeding through this course that's going to get us there. <laughs> and I'm starting to learn something as I'm watching that happen about the importance of some of the little lessons that you and I talk about all the time and how they really do work when you make the effort to put them into play in your life. And that there are really substantial lessons to be learned and really valuable things that come out of paying attention to some of those little details that we really focus on in the show. And we, we try to keep our attention on those bigger picture Broad strokes um, goals ideas. Or outcomes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and values that, that we think these behaviors engender and represent. But to watch it happen and to, to happen around the table and specifically around table manners and to watch it happen within my own family was a, a sort of profound moment. Like the course change was actually ha- having everyone, you and both your daughters, uh, monitor, in some cases, change their behavior in the moment to reflect the the whole scene that's happening here and that, that you and Pooj are trying to create with that nice dinner at home before everyone separates. Yes. It's very cool. It really was. And and really learn lessons that are important to each of them where they are in their in lives their life. and in yeah. their development. <laughs> and I could talk more about that, but those are very specific kind of personal things. The, the two-year-old learns the patience and the four-year-old learns that, that she's a, a part of the group that impacts the group, you know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> etiquette lessons at dinner <laughs> etiquette lessons at dinner i love it i love it especially you and i were just working on the entertaining at home chapter which is heavily filled with the dinner party and and dining at home together and there are a lot of moments when you're writing a book like this where you're like D- does this even matter do we really do this you know these kinds of things and to see such a clear example of uh finishing a course together before moving on to the next course but even executed at the family level mm-hmm. but th- that it made a difference to the family that night that that like it it helped to achieve the goal that that mom was trying to achieve took us out of our usual spaces <laughs> and our usual ways of being and yeah. helped us all grow a little bit so nice <laughs> it is no it really it really is um and i bet probably very satisfying to see your own work like at like you know the stuff you talk about at work just so at play in your own home i mean i know it is regularly but it is kind of fun to like notice those moments <laughs> and, and in some ways to be the target of the lesson yeah 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 slow you roll dan the chocolate ice cream's coming <laughs> Well, there's something else that's coming, Lizzie Post. Do you think, do you think, do you think the answer is questions? We have some questions to get to. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about guessing titles. It comes in the form of a voicemail from a couple of coworkers wondering how to address the members at their fitness center. Hi, this is Misha. We have a question. I am sitting at work with my colleague, Stephen Elizondo, and we are in the customer service industry. We um, manage the Group X department in a high-end fitness facility in Houston, Texas, and we often reply to members their questions and comments and feedback, and oftentimes we don't know the members intimately enough to know if they're married or not, and so the question that came up today was we were fielding a question by a member and how to reply to her when we don't know if she's married or not. Would it be what is the proper generic, unoffensive way to direct, let's say, Jane Smith, if we don't know who Jane, if Jane Smith is married or not, is it Ms., Mrs., or just Jane Smith? We'd love any input you could give on that question as we make that decision a lot in our business and every day. Thank you. So, Dan, what do, you, what do you think? This is a really classic, actually, titles question. I love a question about titles and honorifics. <laughs> And I also love questions that have 
pretty direct etiquette answers. Mm-hmm. And the history of the development of Ms. and the usage of Ms. and Mrs. give us a pretty clear answer to a question like this. You're absolutely right. In fact, Ms. in some ways was created because we really wanted to have a more universal title for women that didn't necessarily identify their marital status, but that recognized them as adult women. And that's, that is the title of Ms. When it comes to the three uh, options that our question askers are talking about, I like the fact that they're thinking about everything, everything that's there, right? You could, this could be a Mrs. Jane Smith. This could be a Ms. Jane Smith. And then there is technically the option to not use a title, avoid it, you know, when you don't know for certain what someone uses and just put Jane Smith. But because you noticed something in this voicemail that I had missed at first, which was that this is a high-end facility. This is a high-end fitness center. And a lot of the times in high-end, we tend to think things are a little bit more formal. And that that makes me lean a little bit more towards at least trying to use a title in your reply. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. If if that high end is um, – if one of the ways you're marking that is through a certain formality in your treatment and your service, yeah. that making that effort to do those little things is something people might really appreciate. And in this particular case, I'm going to say that I would probably go with the Miz and I want to put like a little asterisk or, or an exception to it. You and I have really been thinking about the future of titles. And one of the things that we've been curious about is if Mix will will really take its place as a universal title for anyone to use when you're not sure of their gender or you're not sure of their marital status. And so I, you could throw it out here as a fourth option, the Mix title. I like that including it as an option because it certainly is one. And you're right. Typically, people think of mix as an option, a more universal option when you're thinking about gender and titles. Mm -hmm. But there's absolutely no reason why that universality can't be more broadly applied. Because this question was quite specific about a Jane, my mind tended to stay within that Ms. Mrs. category. And I think I'd still go with the Ms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But having the mix on that list, I think, is a really important option to keep in mind because it's certainly available to us. Misha and Stephen, we certainly hope that our answer helps, and we love how considerate you all are being of your members at this particular fitness facility. I'm sure that they appreciate it a lot, too. A well-mannered group, aren't they? You notice their good manners right away. Good manners make good first impressions. And because your manners are showing all the time, they have a lot to do with how well people like you. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Our next question is titled, Let's Do Lunch or Not. For a number of years now, it has become a habit for all ages, even we older girls, in quotes, to say, let's do lunch. 
I simply cannot help it. Hearing this is like fingernails on a blackboard to me. In my generation, we actually used blackboards in schools, and they worked quite well before we obtained flip charts. My mother and both of my grandmothers would have quote-unquote freaked out. They would have considered it the height of ill manners, and honestly, I do too. Am I supposed to accept this as modern-day etiquette? What do you think Emily's response would be? I look forward to hearing from you at your convenience. Most sincerely and respectfully, Marsha from Georgia. Marsha from Georgia, thank you so much for the question. And thank you for giving us the credit of being able to interpret what Emily's responses might have been, because it's something Lizzie and I enjoy (laughs) thinking about and doing all on our own. (laughs) Being invited to to is a treat. Yeah, no, it's a treat. It's a treat. With others is really nice. And I think Emily would agree with you and your mother and both of your grandmothers. (laughs) This is not a good invitation. No. And um, it's not a good invitation for all kinds of reasons. It it, it evokes, in my mind, sort of the images of Hollywood in the 1980s. Just that that very casual, hey, babe, let's do lunch. Like, um, (laughs) very, like the most insincere thing I can picture. Wheeling and dealing, you're socializing, you know? (laughs) Pencil me in. Exactly. And the the, the idea is that this isn't a real ask. This is a, this is a thought. It's, and I think a lot of people use it because they aren't prepared to make an actual ask, but they want the intention of, I'd like to get together with you soon yes and i think that that's a, such a better way to approach it would be to say would be to actually honor that intention and just say boy i would love to find a time to get together soon let me think about it and call you with a proper invitation you know i do know because i do know what you mean and it was your etiquette advice well i first heard it from you about the good ask about ah making your invitations clear and explicit that I I thought of first when I read this question, because when I read that in your book, your first book, it was really helpful for me as a young person who was operating in a very casual social environment to think about whether I was really inviting people to do things or just throwing around lines that functioned in a very similar way that let's do lunch functions where you kind of Put yourself out there, but not really. Marsha from Georgia, as Dan said, we are we are quite sure that Emily would be in agreement on this one, that a proper invitation is the right thing to extend. And if you want to extend sentiment, really make it look like sentiment, not like a fake invitation. Thank you so much for this question. Matters are important in helping people get along together. You'll never be happy with others until you learn to be considerate of them. I get along all right. Do you, Mickey? I wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, What a Wedding? And I think you're going to see why we titled it that. Yeah. Good morrow. I just started listening to your podcast, my first podcast ever, and I love it. 
I do have a couple of questions about something that happened, and I'm not sure the correct way I should have dealt with the situation. My brother was getting married and asked why I had not RSVP'd to his wedding. I did not receive an invitation and told him this. When he asked his fiance, she said she wrote it herself and addressed it to my parents' house. I then contacted my parents to ask if they got my invitation, and they said they didn't see one but would double-check. What they found was an and-child sticker on the front of their envelope, despite my being 22 years old and living on my own. I did not mind too much about the invite not being mailed to my home, but I would have liked to have gotten my own or even just had my name on my parents' invite as I was not being permitted a plus one. I felt like an unwanted afterthought. What is the appropriate age in which someone should get their own invitation to a wedding? I went to the ceremony and reception, but more uncomfortable things happened. I was sat at a half-empty table, as there clearly had been some people who declined to attend. I kind of wish I had asked my brother that if anyone was unable to make it, I could bring a date. I would never do that for anyone else's wedding, but it was my brother. Would he have been a reasonable exception? Worse yet, my brother is aware I am highly allergic to peanuts and cannot even be in the same room. His wife is also aware because I've had an anaphylactic attack at another family event previously. Despite this, nut bowls were brought out to all the tables. I had to quickly leave the room to take some allergy medication and use my puffers, while my dad quietly asked the serving staff to remove the nuts back to the kitchen and open some windows to air out the space. It was summer and the weather was nice. My sister-in-law got mad at me and had the nuts brought out again. I ended up spending most of the night by myself in the doorway just so I could keep breathing. We hadn't wanted to interrupt the bride and groom to mention the allergy issue. But should we have gone to the bride, as my brother always refers everything to her, to ask that she deal with asking the servers to remove the nuts instead? Needless to say, it was a lesson learned. You cannot expect your siblings to remember about the things that could kill you when they are planning their wedding. <laughs> I am now always careful to remind friends and family of my allergy when I am invited to events, basically saying I'd love to come, but I'm worried about any peanuts being present. But what if you're someone else's plus one? I was once invited as a date to an event, but had to be taken to the hospital due to an anaphylactic attack from peanuts being present. How should I get my allergy known to the right people in that situation? Thanks for whatever advice you can give me, Jake. Jake, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, Dan, I feel like this could be this this one question could be like a whole show's worth of questions. And individually, they each have some pretty key etiquette points to them. I think the the first and foremost is that a, a person living on their own uh, receives their own invitations to things. When you, when you no longer live at your family home, generally – you are expected to be receiving your your own invitations, um, your own correspondence, that sort of thing. Occasionally, a family won't put or a host won't put as much effort into seeking out that person's address. And they'll do exactly what Jake had mentioned he would have been fine with, which was having his name also on the invitation, but an actual name, not an and child sticker. Lizzie, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just have to say I agree a thousand percent. Getting the, uh, at least the the name on there is a bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you're right. Every step up, it, its own invitation to the parent's house and then obviously an invitation directly to him being the better options. Totally, totally. In terms of the 
the plus one and wondering if you could have asked for one, I think that even though this is your brother, I would still refrain from trying to ask. I, I might, like, as planning is going on, ask if they're giving plus ones to singles, but I wouldn't probably ask for one specifically for myself, even being a sibling of one of the people getting married. Dan, what do you think? Is that going too far? No, I think you're right in the caution there. Yeah. The, the, the idea of asking for permission to bring someone else is it's a big ask. Yeah. And you're, I, I appreciate that that's understood. And the idea is, well, maybe this is one of those exception cases where you're close enough. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, when there's already been a little bit of confusion, just even about the invitation, I, I probably would be careful about asking about a yeah. plus one. I would also be careful assuming that the half empty table means that people had declined in a timely manner and there was maybe room to extend plus ones to other people. Um, I think that's, that's a good thing to keep yeah, in mind. Yeah, that's just something that as a guest in general, you really don't know when in, what went into that planning or if – Frankly, some people declining was a relief and it put the budget in a more comfortable place for someone. And so rather than adding some plus ones to fill up some tables, you decide to just have a half table somewhere. Um, it also might be that the venue wasn't going to put out a table that was smaller to accommodate the actual number of people for the event. And therefore, there are sometimes there's sometimes a half table because mm -hmm. of the way the banquet service is going. The table one, I would be less inclined to lean into as an indicator of things. It can feel like a real shame, though, when you're sitting at that half empty table and this is your your brother's wedding. It feels a little distant, maybe. But Lizzie Boast, I'm really curious about this peanut situation in the moment mm -hmm. where you've got Jake having a medical emergency. You've got dad trying to get the peanuts removed. You've got the sister-in-law trying to get them replaced or returned. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's not a lot of communication happening between all of these parties because things are happening quickly and a wedding's going on at the same time. It, it, it's a lot to unpack. Um, I, for me, one of one of the things I'm a little unsure of is that this, the sister-in-law could technically be the bride in this scenario, or it might be another person, another family member who's helping to sort of manage and, and choreograph the whole wedding or has their eye on it, that sort of a thing. And what I can't tell is if the sister-in-law maybe bride is upset because this action of pulling the nuts that the father is doing didn't come through her or whether they're just upset because it was happening and they don't care about the allergy issue. They want the nuts on the table. I would think that the average person upon hearing that the nuts were removed because someone was having a severe allergic reaction to them would say, Oh, okay. I understand. Like, me too. Moment of confusion <laughs> alleviated. Next time, run it by me if you want to change something, if you're that controlling, you know what I mean, about the situation. But the the putting them back out, I think, just goes to a place of, of real rudeness. I'm going to say it because I know we don't often do that. But I think that is just it's not safe for this gentleman. I really don't think it's appropriate when a guest tells you they are experiencing a severe allergy that you then continue to make the allergen present. Lizzie, I agree. I think that people are going to be pretty reasonable when they're presented with a health or a safety issue. We always say safety comes first. And for that same reason, I'm not going to fault the father for not 
following uh, a social chain of command and finding the host before having the nuts removed from the table. If someone's choking, we say you knock over chairs and you give them the Heimlich maneuver that it's it's important to deal with what's going on. And then you can manage the fallout that ensues afterwards in whatever way you have to or need to. And that's where I would really – lean on my etiquette communication skills. You want to get to the host of the party quickly and let them know what's happened because it's something serious and what you've done about it so that it's been addressed and it's taken care of. And you're accomplishing things that are frankly more important than whether or not the nuts are on the table because the reason they came off was something more serious happened. It's true. At some point, as soon as possible, people need to know about it. So if I'm looking for the etiquette advice to extract, that's the, the... it's the, the place where I first. think that you yeah. m- might be able to um, find a lesson for next time if you were faced with something like this again. Although, again, because Jake's taken the bigger lesson of it being really important to let people know. And hopefully this won't be happening again. Jake, for your final question of as a plus one, should you tell your date to tell the host's of the party that you have a severe peanut allergy. I think it's definitely worth bringing up since this allergy has severe repercussions. It might be that they say, oh boy, we really couldn't accommodate a guest with a severe allergy like that. And then, you know, your person who is inviting you as the plus one can let you know that, or they can say, oh, don't worry. This is a facility that can handle that really well. Dan, it is a bit of like an extended, like you feel like, hey, I already wasn't a known guest. But at the same time, when plus ones are issued, we really try and think of the host as being in that gracious, welcoming space. And you would treat a plus one just as you would treat any other guest, correct? Absolutely. I think you you have to let them know for all of those reasons. Yeah. And if you wanted to honor that idea that you understand there's more social distance in this invitation maybe than in the one, say, to your brother's wedding, you could always make that awareness part of the way you respond to the invitation. Mm-hmm. So in in the case of being a plus one, it would be to the person who issued the plus one. Mm-hmm. And you might say something like, I would love to come with you. These are the dietary restrictions that it's important for people to know about. And I understand if that's a lot for a plus one from this event. I'd love to go with you, but I also don't want to put a lot of pressure unnecessarily or whatever it is. If you want to give them that out, I think it's a a, a kind thing to do if you're aware of that social distance and that what you're asking might be a big ask. Jake, this was a doozy of a wedding with a lot of etiquette moments in it that we wish had gone better for you. But we are hoping that some of this advice will help for the next big event that you all gather for. Yes, you see good manners wherever there are people who respect each other and want to get along with others. Our next question is titled, New Friend Frenzy, and it comes as a voicemail from Julie. This is Julie. Thank you for listening to my question, and I hope you guys can provide some insight. So I've been on a friend dating app for a while called Bumble BFF. It's where you can meet other girls, or I think they do guys as well, whatever. You can make friends on this app. A couple weeks ago, I befriended a girl through Bumble. And we've hung out one-on-one on about three different occasions. And I really like her, but I'm still getting to know her. And recently she texted me wanting to meet up and then asked if she can bring another friend that she's met from Bumble 
to our hangout, so to speak. So I've yet to meet this person, and I'm kind of overwhelmed by the process of making new friends, to be frank with you, that I don't know how to tell this new friend who wants to introduce me to another friend that, well, honestly, just no. I just really want to focus on meeting this one person before I start meeting multiple people because I just don't feel like I can dedicate time getting to know two people at once, especially if I don't know if I have any commonalities with this additional person. Um, So my question to you guys is, how do I communicate to this acquaintance that I'm trying to make into a friend that I don't want to necessarily meet their friends right now? or that I don't want to meet a friend. And just overall, in general, what's the etiquette when you've made a new friend the introduction of new friends? You know, is there a wait period? I just feel like you should get to know somebody before you start trying to make them friends with other friends of yours. Um, in my mind, I just feel like you should know if you want to have a connection with that new person first. But um, I get that it was a really nice gesture. I just, we just got back out of COVID and smaller groups work so much better and one-on-one work perfectly for me. So I really want to set boundaries, but I also want to acknowledge and appreciate the fact that she is, wants to introduce me to her friend circle. I'm just not ready for that right now. So sorry for the ramblings and (laughs) thanks for any insight you guys can provide. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Well, before we answer any questions, I want to ask Julie if she'll be my friend. Oh, that's sweet. But it might be a little overwhelming for Julie right now. Well, it's why I think Julie and I would be good friends because I don't want (laughs) any new friends either. Or I don't want any new friends to interfere with any of my new friends. I want to take my time with people. Yes. No, I think there's a big resounding yes, Julie. It's okay for you to say no to this added on friend. And, I, you know, I've had to do this at times. There have been times where... I've asked someone to hang out, particularly because I might want to talk to them about something specific. And I know that this isn't the case for this particular friendship. It's a new friendship. But um, but been in that situation where someone said, oh, yeah, and can so-and-so come along? And you've had to say, you know, I was really hoping we could hang out one-on-one today. And that's it. I think it can be as simple as that. Oh, I was really, really hoping we might just spend some one-on-one time together. Would that be all right with you still? And then it's, you know, it's like, I feel like it's kind of like a soft turndown, but it's still a really legitimate turndown, which is okay because someone's asking you whether or not this would be okay with you. Which is a really considerate thing for them to do. Yes. The The trouble comes when people expect that the answer will always be yes. And I think having a good, confident no that and and maybe if you want to, only if you want to, you could let them know maybe another time you could meet some extra friends. But with this particular friend, you might even let them know what your agenda has been with Bumble and, and just what it's like for you as you get to know new people. Clearly, it's something both of you are interested in doing. You've invested in this app to do it. And so I think it's it's not at all off the table in terms of a conversation about how just the same way you would have a conversation about how you plan to use a dating app and how you get to know someone on dates. Um, these are just friend dates. And I think we can apply a lot of those same rules. I also really liked the explanation that Julie gave us at the end of her voicemail. And I was thinking that would be a very reasonable sample script yeah. to offer to someone as well. I can't leave this question without also flipping the coin over 
And I've just also got to offer some encouragement, both to Julie and myself. Okay. Which is that there are people in this world who are incredible connectors, who play the role of connecting people with each other, and they are um, really special people in life. They're dynamic, and they thrive on social interaction. And I look for those people in my life because – I need them. I need people to make introductions, expose me to other people, introduce me to new people because I don't always make that effort on my own. And just when you are ready, Julie, I want part of this answer to be just a little bit of encouragement to think about taking some of those social chances and um, to go ahead and say yes sometimes. Maybe meeting those new people will be exactly what you were looking for when you started that Bumble experiment. Julie, thank you so much for what is an excellent excellent adult friends question i am a big fan of this topic as a whole and i really really enjoyed getting to hear your question on the show oh, hi, I'm hi i'm sorry i'm late but i ran into gene here oh gene this is ed weird see i was telling you about hello how do you do and this is jack connors gene bassett from over at morrisville how hello. do you do gene hello here you can sit here thank you Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have another bit of feedback for making sure that people pronounce your name correctly. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I have feedback on a recent episode where a woman asked for help in getting people to pronounce her name correctly. I recently had a volunteer working with me and I could never remember how to pronounce her last name. I finally asked her if there was a mnemonic device to help me. She said, sure. It rhymes with lady. Ever since then, I've been able to remember it. If Kirsten could think of an easy way to remember the pronunciation of her name and then share that with individuals, they would be more likely to remember. My apologies, I don't remember how to pronounce her name. Was it Kirsten, like the number 10, or Kirsten, like putting something in a tin can? Thanks. I love your show. Susie D. Susie D., thank you for the feedback. And I saw what you did there. I like the way you built that out and illustrated your point. Very good. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, 
We're talking about tie and ties, and we're talking about it because Dan was so excited to put this section in the book, and we totally ended up cutting it out of the book per our publisher's suggestion. So it's we gone. figured it needed to it needed to breathe some life. It needed some recognition for existing. Dan, what what do you love so much about the accessory that is the tie? Okay, what I love about the tie is that I have gone through a personal journey in terms of my relation <laughs> to it as an article of clothing. Okay. And the the place that I landed at is one where I really like them, and I didn't always. And there's some part of me that just hopes that through the work at Emily Post and, and talking about formality, dress attire, all of it, that – Maybe somewhere along the way I'll give someone else access to an idea or a thought that'll help them enjoy the thought of putting on a tie as opposed to dreading it. Because I, I, I've, I've made that, that transition myself and I understand You, you want it. other I feel people like to experience it. that transition. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. It is the symbol of corporate conformity for so many people. It's true. It's the absolute last thing that a lot of people would ever want to put on. It really is the symbol of – conformity of joining that system for so many people and that's a really strong symbol that's a really strong thing to be responding to or reacting to and that's reasonable i think in many ways it's something that not everyone's familiar with it's not part of every wardrobe and in many ways it's something a little bit extra it's not a functional piece of clothing it's not your blue jeans it's not the buttons on your shirt it's not the separated legs on your pants that allow you to walk around and do different kinds of work. It's a a flourish in many ways. It's a, a little extra. And because it doesn't have a function that puts it into use, ultimately it's it's about what it symbolizes. I was going to say it really becomes a symbol and it is a symbol of formality in a lot of ways. It, it absolutely is for many people. And at the same time, once you start to see it that way, it can be a symbol of anything that you want it to be. And for so many people that wear a tie regularly as a component of a suit or even just a, a, an outfit with a button-down shirt, it's oftentimes your opportunity for expression, for color, for individuality. Mm -hmm. So within that more formal world, it's an access is, point. Yeah. is the flair. And when you can start to see it as that, it's so much fun. <laughs> So because I have to admit that I, I had a I'm so proud of my dad, like and so proud to be my dad's daughter moment when you learned my dad's favorite tie knot, which is the half Windsor. And for me, it was so delightful because when I was a little girl, I loved dressing up in my dad's clothing. I loved it so much. I went for Halloween as my dad one year and I like had his briefcase and I'd wore it. I know I'd like put on his jackets and of course they'd be down to my knees and I'd have to wear suspenders with his pants, which would be like rolled up to mid thigh because I was so much shorter than him, you know? And like, I don't mean my thighs. I mean the pant leg thighs and then they hung down to my shoes. Um, but I loved learning to tie that tie knot. I still know how to do it. I really appreciated it when I had wait, wait staff jobs and I, I had to, to wear a tie or a bow tie and I knew how to do that. Talk about different tie knots and, and especially our fave, the half Windsor. So that moment when I learned the partial or half Windsor from your father was 
somewhere in my mid 30s when I'd come back to work at Emily Post and I'd gone through most of my life with the standard tie knot. I learned it in high school and it worked great for nights we had varsity hockey games and you had to totally. wear a tie to school. <laughs> Got me through college interviews and and things like that. But when I came to work for Emily Post and I was wearing a tie much more often and I was looking to up my wardrobe game, I was starting to pay attention to things like the widths of collars, whether you're going with spread collars or point collars and how to complete an outfit like a suit. And the tie was always a choice and figuring out a good tie knot was all of a sudden important to me. And your father very casually just mentioned, oh, I've got a tie knot I use all the time. It's great. You're going to love it. And he showed me a slight variation on the standard knot. It's got one extra loop and you end up with a knot that's not much bigger than the standard knot, but it's... um it holds. It's got a little bit of body to it. It's yeah. not as thick or bulky as the Windsor, which nope. is really meant for a widespread collar and frankly to often fill out looks a better space. on a broader yeah. man than me. Yeah, um, sure, sure. So as I'm looking for, for, for things that work with a sort of a lean frame, a long neck, a point collar, I was wanting something that wasn't as likely to go crooked as a standard knot. But mm -hmm. that also didn't get as big as the Windsor and that half Windsor, that partial Windsor is so um, it's perfect. What can I say? You, you, if you set a dimple in it, it holds for hours. Yep. You can kind of shape the knot with your fingers so you can build a nice tight little triangle or a little wider triangle to fit in different collars. You can sort of shape the knot up as you form it. Mm -hmm. It's the little tip I love to give people who are at that sort of phase of their wardrobe development when I'm talking to groups of professionals, the idea that this particular knot's just functional. It's going to work for you and you're going to look good in it. And it's really nice to have that kind of confidence when you're getting yourself dressed. It can make wearing a tie um, or at least putting it on a much easier thing to do. So we've heard a little bit about the standard knot, a little bit about, well, we've heard a bunch about the the half Windsor or the partial Windsor. What about the full Windsor? When when might you break that out? You, you mentioned like uh, on a full spread collar. Are there any other reasons or is there any kind of, I don't want to say emotion, but feeling or style or does it say something about you if you're going for that full knot? I think it's fun. I think it's fun to know how to do, but it's it's a big process to go through. Every day, it's kind of a special occasion knot for a lot of people or a knot for particular outfits that really do present that tie when you're wearing something um, that you really want to show off or highlight. Yeah. It can be it can be a good choice. But, you know, me, I always like things that are a little understated. Because um, what do you think about the tie clip or the tie pin? Can be a really nice addition. Usually strikes have... a little more formal, though, yeah. It does, but it can also be really useful mm -hmm. if you're wearing your tie and you're you're moving around a lot. I mean, it, it, it's a functional accessory. The the piece of etiquette advice, the attire advice, is just not to over accessorize. You don't mm -hmm. want to um, have too many elements on top of a, a formal outfit. But a tie clip or pin can be nice. I have to say, I was always a really, really big fan when I worked at Michael Kehoe's in Burlington, which was like a men, men's clothing store, high-end men's clothing store. It was the bow ties. And I like I loved wearing a bow tie to work when I worked. It was so much fun to learn how to tie it. It's way simpler than you'd think. And it also was like 
There is something so jauntily expressive about a bow tie when it's not in a formal setting like a tuxedo that I find so wonderful. It like it brings a smile to my face. I still have two of the bow ties from when I worked there in my accessories, like not accessories closet, in my closet with my accessories. (laughs) And they are they are delightful. Do you have any any favorite bow ties in your wardrobe right now? Well, I, I mean, obviously, I love the one that goes with my tux. But as you point <laughs> out, it's it's so awesome to get the bow tie off that formal garment and to, to, to give it a little more use, to use it in different ways. I so want to get you into the bow tie. I think you'd look so good in one. Do you think you'd be a little bit a little Bill Nye-ish? Like, come on, it could be cute. It could be good. It could be good. I'm a little small for a bow tie. I always felt like it would make me look a little like childish, like a little kitty in some nah. way. Nah. You don't think so? We'll find the right one. We'll find the right one. A little more gray and I'll start wearing the bow ties. Just a little more gray. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Because please tell our listeners one of the best resources that you found for tying a tie so that they can go experiment, practice, get some inspiration. If you're interested in seeing some of the knots that I've been talking about today illustrated or described really well, I would recommend The Art of Manliness. It's a great website if you're looking for things like how to polish leather shoes or tie tie knots. Or wait a month and I might have convinced Dan to do some articles and videos of tie tying on emilypost.com. To be continued. <laughs> By taking care of all the little details in advance, he can look forward to the evening with confidence. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing in the world. And now that we're socializing, that's really happening again, and it can come in so many forms. And today we have a salute from Jill. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've got a salute this week for an upstairs neighbor, Diane. I just moved in here about a week ago, and she's already been so kind. Today, I injured myself going down the stairs, and she not only took me to the hospital, but has checked in on me a few times and offered to get anything I need from the store. I don't have any family or friends nearby, so this was a much appreciated kindness. Chill. Oh, Jill, that's fantastic. It's nice to to feel that sense of community right away in a new space. Jill, I really hope that this person, this good Samaritan, listens to awesome etiquette or that if they don't, you play this salute for them because that is such a kind salute. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. And if you're so inclined, spreading the word on social media doesn't hurt either. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. 
It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.